Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hi, and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am so excited this week to have my friend Rebecca on the podcast. And Rebecca is going to talk to us a little bit about technology and how we can cultivate a healthy relationship, especially with our phones. And um, I don't know about you, but I do not always feel like I have the healthiest relationship with my phone. And last week, as I gave the intro into this cultivating season, this cultivating series that we're in, um, I shared about this idea of not being a victim. And I think for myself, I sometimes can feel like I'm a victim to my phone. I'm a victim to feeling like I need to respond to people really quickly, feeling like I need to be close to my phone in case anybody needs me. And um, I am personally challenged with how I can do a better job of setting boundaries and just being able to say, hey, some of these things are not okay. And I can actually choose, right? There's not everything in life that I get to choose, but I can actually choose some of the way that I relate to my phone. And so um, that's one thing I wanted to share. The other thing I wanted to share is when we talk about cultivating, whatever we're talking about cultivating in our lives, there is never an arrival point. So we're not actually trying to achieve perfection in any area. It's more, what am I actually working towards? Who am I actually becoming? What am I cultivating in my life? And so when it comes to healthy habits on my phone, I know there are things that have to change. And so I want to work towards that. First, I think it's being aware, being honest with ourselves about various things in our lives and saying, hey, I may not be walking down a path that I want to be walking down. So what can I do to change? And lastly, our theme verse for this podcast is from, one of them is from Hebrews 12.1. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like one of the weights in my life can be my phone. And so sit back and relax, grab a cup of coffee, carry on with your walk, whatever you're doing, and enjoy the conversation I had with my friend, Rebecca. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am so excited to be sitting here with my real in life, actual friend, Rebecca. <laughs> and uh, Rebecca and I are going to talk today about technology. And I think this is such such a timely message, uh, um, information that she carries. And a few months ago, she had the chance to speak uh, in front of my husband, who works for Young Life and a bunch of their leaders. And he came home and said, wow, you need to have Rebecca on your podcast. She has some great information about technology. And Rebecca and I were just sitting here talking about how, in many ways, um, we don't really know all that our phones, our smartphones, are all the things that they're designed to do. And so as we gain a little more information about how our phone is designed and what it's designed to do, it actually gives 
um, us a little more power and takes a little more power away from our phones as we get some of that knowledge and information. So that's my hope for you, um, that you will gain a few aha moments, some insight into the way our phones are designed really to keep us addicted to them. Um, and also as we begin, I just want you to pause for a moment and just think, hey, am I, am I happy right now uh, with the amount of time I spend on my phone or I spend in various areas of technology? Am I happy with that? Do I have a clear sense of that? Do I know numbers-wise how much time I'm spending on my phone, on apps and other things like that? And so I think as we go into this, um, again, not to feel any kind of guilt or shame going forward, but just really have a reality check of where am I at? Is this something that I want to change? And so as Rebecca and I dive in, I hope that you will be left with some hope, some knowledge, some strategies going forward. So Rebecca, first thing I want to ask you is, um, how did you get interested in learning about technology and sort of what our smartphones are all about and all of those sort of things? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I went to design school um, here in Vancouver at uh, SFU. And I thought going into design school that I would become a graphic designer. Um, it's always been a passion of mine. But um, as I got further along in my degree, I started learning more about digital experiences and um, how we can create them, which is super interesting. Um, and more and more graduates from our program were going to these huge tech companies like Facebook or Google um, or LinkedIn. And that was super cool to me. I was like, oh yeah, I wanna definitely go to San Francisco and be this like cool Silicon Valley person. Um, but as I neared the end of my degree, I was like, oh, no one is like headhunting me to go and work at these companies. So I realized that I needed to start making real decisions about where I want my career to go, what I actually think about technology if I'm going to work in this industry for the next, whatever, 30, 40 years, I need to start making decisions about it. Um, so that sort of graduating and then starting to enter the workforce and also being a Christian, being a young life leader, um, sort of turned into me realizing that um, me as a designer or a researcher, um, I have power to create these like experiences that people have. But also as a Christian, I have a responsibility to Jesus, like to my discipleship in saying, okay, because I understand how these things work, um, that means that I can start making decisions about what my discipleship looks like and being more um, yeah, intentional with my discipleship that way. So was there a moment where you realized like, hey, I'm, I am maybe spending more time on my phone than I want to. Was that part of your discovery? Yeah, I think a little bit. I think especially um, being involved with teenagers a lot with Young Life, um, become really well acquainted with things like Snapchat and Instagram. But at, there was a point, a turning point where I sort of just thought, I don't really find a lot of joy in this. or I don't really get why I'm spending so much time on it. Like, sucking all these hours out of my day and I don't enjoy it. So I think there was that turning point where 
super familiar with it, but realizing that there's got to be more, or maybe it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Right. Um, I have a question for you because you are in your mid twenties, mm-hmm. um, and you do work with teenagers. So you actually have this snapshot into a world that I, I am not aware of. And I'm just curious, again, this is just your point of view. Do you think that there is, um, a category of people who are kind of more sucked into their phones? Like, is it teenagers, 20 somethings, or do you see it across the board? People in their thirties and forties. I mean, this is generalization and I'm just asking your opinion. Mm -hmm. Where do you think people are with their, I guess in some ways their level of being aware of how much they're spending time on technology or their addiction? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think as a blanket statement, we as the Western world are quite unaware of how addicted we all are to our phones or to social media. Um, I think that maybe depending on your age, there's more or less of an understanding of how much time you spend on it, if that makes sense. So for example, uh, a lot of people my age are aware. We spend all of our time on our phones, but maybe we're more apathetic. We don't really care. Um, I find that teenagers in particular, the ones that I hang around, um, spend a lot of time on their phones, but maybe don't realize that they spend maybe 80% of their day, like looking at a screen. It's just part of their social life. Um, and their life as a, a person, a young person, um, with people older than me, for example, my parents' generation, um, and even a bit younger, um, I find that uh, a lot of people I know are either on one side of the fence or the other. So my mom doesn't have Facebook and doesn't care about anything that has to do with the internet. But my dad is a little bit more engaged and spends more time on Facebook. And so I think that that's sort of true for a lot of older-ish people that um, right. it's like committed to the online world or doesn't care, doesn't know. Uh, I really appreciate your answer. It's totally curveball that I threw you, but I think that's really true. I think there are some people, especially I would say my generation, I'm late thirties um, and uh, because we didn't grow up with this technology. Mm-hmm. And so there's different ways that I think in some ways when you say yes to one app and then you get curious about it and commit to it and then sometimes you get sucked into it, right? That's very, I mean, we can talk about that a little more in a minute, but the way we kind of get sucked in, um, there's a lot of apps that like Snapchat that I just haven't engaged in or TikTok, which I'm excited to hear more about from you as well, um, that I'm totally ignorant about, but in some ways I'm glad that I am because Mm -hmm. then I keep, I remember for years I didn't go on Instagram because I just said to friends, I don't need anything else to suck me in. I don't need anything else to check or to, um, look at somebody else's life. Yeah. Um, I just don't need that. And so I think you're right in saying for some people, they're just living their lives just as they would. And other people definitely are engaged. Um, one thing I want to ask you about, because you do work with teenagers and you work uh, for Young Life, and this is a little Young Life plug here. Um, <laughs> one of the things I love about camp is when teenagers arrive at camp, they actually lock up their phones. And I think Mm -hmm. this is such a gift for teenagers who, again, have grown up with this technology. They are used to spending 
their face in a screen. Um, their phones are gone for a week. I would love to know from your perspective, what changes do you see in teenagers when they're not, don't have their face in a screen? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I, I think it's cool because I'm going to jump to the end of the week when they get them back. They're really upset about it a lot of the time. Like sometimes kids won't ask for them back. They're like, that was so much better living life wow. without it. Um, that sometimes they'll be like, can you keep my phone until we get home or uh, partway through the bus ride? Um, which is super cool. But yeah, during the week at camp, um, you see like real personalities come out, I think a lot more. Um, obviously when there's a break in conversation or, um, you know, those like awkward pauses where everyone starts to look down at their phone because the conversation has ended, um, you don't have that opportunity anymore. So it like forces everyone, and that includes leaders too, to like push through and and like continue forging these connections and relationships that before we would have stopped and like started looking down at our phones. But now we have this opportunity to like keep looking at each other in the face, keep like talking about whatever thing comes up next. Um, so I think that that's huge is just having this opportunity to, or being forced to like keep looking at each other and keep connecting when, um, and then you really get to know people, I think a lot better, a lot faster because you're forced to, to, right. yeah, just be with them continually instead of allowing the phone to take you away. Well, I know that for a lot of, a lot of my friends that I've talked to, we really have lamented the fact that, um, kids growing up today don't have that opportunity to um, just kind of have their childhood and their high school years, even experiencing some of those awkward things. I know as a high school teacher, I walk down the halls and I love when I see a group of friends actually sitting there talking to each other. Like I want to go up to them and cheer for them. Like, yeah. Good job. <laughs> uh, and I feel bad when I see kids all sitting together yet they're not engaging. Mm -hmm. um, and I know we can't solve all of the problems right now. Um, but my hope is that at least through this conversation, we can gain a little more awareness. Mm -hmm. So why don't you start to tell me a little bit about how our phones are designed? I've heard you, um, refer to them as sort of like these slot machines in our pocket. Yeah. Um, a lot of, um, I would almost venture to say all social media apps in particular function, um, based on what is called the attention economy, which is not my term, but is coined by people much smarter than me. But the idea behind that is, um, every person has a finite amount of attention to give. For example, you and I have all of our attention being given to each other right now. Um, but when you're scrolling through an app or you're on your phone or you're working, you similarly have a finite amount of attention to be giving to a certain task. So um, the designers of these apps or the apps are aware that that's true. So when my attention is on scrolling through my Instagram feed, that means that it's not scrolling through my Twitter feed. So the idea is the apps are trying to keep you um, on their platform for as long as possible because they know that once you go away, they're no longer a part of your life for that time. Mm -hmm. So um, when it comes to having a slot machine in your pocket, um, there's this great episode 
another podcast called Your Undivided Attention, which I super recommend for those who are curious about the world of technology. Um, but they start talking about um, the slot machines in Vegas and compare them to the apps on our phone, which is fascinating and also terrifying when you think about it. But what they're saying is that slot machines over the years have been designed to no longer like give people super high return, super high jackpots. Um, and then people sort of get bored when that's how they function. But now they're designed um, to sort of keep you along, keep you on the machine for a long longer. So they'll give you some high returns, some low returns and sort of keep you uh, sitting there because um, in psychology, it's referred to as uh, random rewards. So um, when it's about habit forming. So when you are rewarded for a habit or a, a behavior that will build a habit um, that makes you want to keep doing it, obviously, if you pay me 20 bucks to scroll through my Instagram page, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, so when you're rewarded every two times I scroll through my Instagram habit or my Instagram feed, it's going to build that habit less uh, effectively than if I was rewarded 20 bucks a random amount of times that I did that behavior. So in the slot machine sort of example, um, if I'm sitting at the slot machine and every third sort of hit of the slot machine, I win $100, I sort of know when the reward is going to come. But if a reward of a random amount comes every random amount of hits, it's way more addicting to me because I don't know what's going to come next. Maybe this next hit, I'll win a hundred bucks, but maybe it, the next hit I'll win 20 bucks. So then it'll be more worth it for me to keep hitting it. Um, if that makes sense. It's a lot. Yeah, of so how, how would the reward system work for some of the more popular apps? Yeah, totally. So in our apps, I think Instagram is a great example of this. Whenever I open it, um, I could be seeing like 15 likes on my latest post, which is super rewarding to me, or maybe not. Maybe there's no likes or maybe there's one like. Um, maybe there's an awesome post of someone that I really like following coming up next, but maybe the next post that I see is just another like boring dog picture that I don't really care about. So it's these things that are rewarding. Maybe it's likes, DMs, um, great content that keeps us there but we don't know when it's going to come next, which is where it gets really debilitating as a user um, because you just don't know. You keep scrolling and um, you're not sure when the next good thing is going to come up next. So I know recently you um, took a little break from TikTok over Lent and I love that you have this whole article on medium.com about TikTok. So I'm going to link that in the notes for people who want more of a deep dive for myself and probably a lot of people listening, we may still be a little bit unfamiliar about TikTok itself and why it's so addicting. Can mm -hmm. you share a little bit about that? With totally. Me? Yeah. TikTok is a great app. And that's funny because I like hate it, but love it at the same time. Okay. TikTok is interesting because um, it started off as a sort of dance choreography app. Um, the idea is that different people would continue doing the same dance, um, but slightly differently, or maybe they're just doing it for fun, but it's sort of like everyone doing the same choreography, uh, over and over again. 
However, it started turning into almost like a comedy or a mix of YouTube and Vine and all of these things. Um, so that's sort of, I guess, an overview of it. But what makes it, addi it addicting is the same sort of formula as other apps in that um, the algorithm that decides what to put on your feed tries to guess what will be the most likely to keep you on the app. So, um, and that and that is what is innately addicting about it. So for me, I like comedy videos on TikTok. I don't really love the dance videos that much anymore. So when I'm scrolling through my page, I am not sure when I scroll up whether the next video will be something that I want to watch or something that I don't want to watch. And maybe if it is, that's exciting. I'll watch it. Uh, maybe a couple times. And then once I do the action again, I'm expecting something, I'm expecting the same thing to come up um, after I scroll that video. So it's interesting, actually, now that I say that, um, there's this saying about like falling in love is like, uh, you know, you're insane when you keep doing the same thing, but expecting different, uh, like, what's it called? Different <laughs> things different to happen. Results. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Results. So that's exactly what social media is like. That's exactly what TikTok is like. You're expecting um, new things to come up that are different from before, but the app like totally doesn't care about that. It'll say, oh, I'm gonna throw you this random video that you actually don't like, but we're just trying to keep you on the app as long as possible. Right. Um, well, I did hear somewhere that part of the dopamine hit that we get in our brain can be related to experiencing new things, which makes sense because that is part of what we are getting with social media. Mm -hmm. um, so why do you think TikTok is so addicting? Oh boy. I think that it sort of preys on all of the sensitivities that we have and that we've been exposed to on all the other social media apps that we have experience with. So to me, um, there's a lot of superficiality happening on it, um, like scantily clad people or people trying to look or act a certain way um, will be more amplified and more uh, popular on the app than those who aren't trying to be that way. So similar to Instagram that sort of causes you to want to be that way because it gets more popular and it gets more views. So that's one thing. Um, I think another reason why it's so addicting is that it's really fun to share TikTok videos with your friends. So to me, sometimes that's kind of what keeps me on is I'm like, ooh, it would be fun to find a video to share with my friends because then we can laugh over it and maybe practice that dance in the future or something like that. So I think that's a big factor too is um, for me personally, anyways, that enjoyment of like sharing it with people, which is a good sort of way of connecting with people, but it does keep me on the app more. Um, well, I like what you just shared there. Cause I want to be real about it in the sense that I think there's actually a lot of great things about social media. Totally. Right. Yeah. Used well. Uh, I was on a call earlier with a friend who I met online right and we've connected online we've talked on the phone so we've developed a real friendship like there's there's ways to 
engaged. There's like comedy is great. This fun, you want to connect with your friend. There's things that can be great. Um, and so how do we get the best things from social media, mm-hmm. but not kind of get so either sucked in yeah. or like, what would you say are some either ways to set healthy boundaries or strategies? Um, you had something great that you shared. I don't know if this is your quote, but you had shared this and said, how can we reclaim our attention and align it with Christ, not an algorithm? Mm-hmm. I thought that was so good. Um, so how do we do it? How do we do it in a healthy way? Yeah, I think that a really good place to start sort of like what you mentioned at the top is just like seeing the information as it is. So on iPhones, um, you can go into your settings and see there's a screen time section that Apple has actually built into the phone, which is pretty cool. Um, you can see how much time you spend looking at your phone. Um, there's a stat called pickups, which is really cool, where it tests how many times you pick up your phone during a day. Um, so like maybe that's just picking it up to see the time or otherwise. Um, and then also there's a notification stat. So it tells you how many times it pinged you during the day. So just like knowing that information, to me, the first time I saw it, you see like three to four hours a day or more um, when it says how long you've spent on it. And it's like, oh, you've picked up your phone 200 times today. Like, whoa, that's more than I maybe wanted. And oh, and I notified you like 170 times today. And that seemed like a lot to me. So those are numbers that maybe I throw out that are alarming to me. And they can be different for everyone. But I think that that's a great place to start is just like looking at what is there and not judging, not um, putting value on it, but saying, okay, is this like how I want to spend my time? Or is this how I don't want to spend my time? Um, And then a great next step is looking at each app individually um, under hours spent and seeing, okay, what are my top three? Are these the top three places I want to be spending my time? If not, then you can start sort of putting boundaries on it. Um, Apple also has a function of being able to limit your screen time on certain types of apps. So um, you could put like two hours on social media apps and it'll automatically stop you every time you log into a social media app. But for myself, I find it's really simple to just say, okay, once seven o'clock hits, I'm not going on TikTok anymore, for example. Um, or even saying, okay, I'm only going on social media apps between this time and this time, and otherwise they're off limits for me. Um, To me as a Christian, it's more rewarding. It feels like I'm working on my disciplines more when I'm setting boundaries. And and then when I'm outside of those boundaries, I can say, okay, God, like, this is not the time that I said that I was going to do this. So where will you bring me now? Like, Maybe he's going to tell me to go for a walk or maybe he's going to tell me to sit down and read or something like that. But I think that is rewarding to me um, personally in saying, okay, I'm going to create this boundary. And then outside of that time, God's going to have control of that time. Well, I love what you shared there because you were talking about basically how first what we have to do is we have to gain some real knowledge, some actual data. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, if you need to, you can go back to what Rebecca said about how we can um, get some actual data. And so I think that's that's probably step number one is where is our time going? And then step number two really is that idea of 
in some ways before we create boundaries, like, like asking those questions you said, so thinking about how much time, how much time do I, f- I feel good about spending on this app? Like, do I feel good about spending an hour on Instagram every day? Maybe. I know when you do some crazy math and you add that up to what you're going to spend over a year, like some of those, some of those numbers can make you feel crazy. Yeah. So, um, so even just asking those questions, how much time do I want to spend now? Keeping in mind again, if we're saying like, okay, I'm watching TikTok videos. Those are my entertainment for the night in terms of, um, you know, I'm not watching TV or whatever. Like maybe I'm giving myself an hour there or I'm, um, engaging with friends on Instagram, um, something like that, you know, you might say, this is part of what I, what I want to do overall in, in my life, right? Like ask those real questions for you. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I think I love what Rebecca says, just creating boundaries that work. And so one of those things could be setting a time. And I know for myself, it's been very helpful when I, I don't always do this, but when I put my phone to bed. So the same way I put my kids to bed, if I basically say at this time, my phone's being plugged in downstairs or in another spot, not in my bedroom, because then I don't have the opportunity to reach for it first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I have found that actually the way I start my day really affects the rest of my day. And so if I'm choosing not to engage, because I actually used to just start off saying if I picked up my phone, I'd look at my Bible app and I was like, okay, but I realized my face is still in a screen, mm-hmm. right? So even though it's something good, um, it still wasn't helpful for me. And so I just realized again, um, I need to, I probably can't always bank on my self-control, to be honest. I need to set some boundaries in place where I have said either my phone is going to bed or yeah, I have work, work hours mm-hmm. uh, with my phone or something like that. Um, to set up some strategies for success. And one thing I would say is that um, we might need to try a few different strategies, right? Like something may not work for us right away. And I think we can then just feel like, oh, I feel guilty and, you know, terrible. I mean, there's one um, person I follow who I really enjoy all of his Instagram stories. His personal strategy is that he actually deletes um, the Instagram app off of his phone every day. So he deletes it. So it's not there, Uh, but he records video. He's actually one of the best um, guys. He he does these awesome stories. They're very entertaining, Um, but he just records things throughout the day. So he'll be with his family and he'll record things that they're doing. But then at some point later on, he'll, he'll put the app back on and he gives himself an hour a day where he says, I'm uploading these stories. I'm engaging with people. And that's his, because again, it is for him and it's part of his work. Um, that he engages with people on social media, but he just needed to create really strict boundaries. And he's very open about that. And I just appreciate that, um, you know, it does help for us to be really honest with ourselves. And like you said earlier, um, we can't do the same thing again and again and expect different results. And I know for myself, Mm -hmm. I've had nights where I've gone to bed and I've, my head hits the pillow. And that's the moment where you ask yourself like, am I happy with today? Did today go um, the way I wanted? And no, it doesn't mean everything's going to go perfectly, but there can be some of those things where I say like, did I look my kids in the eye? Was I present for them? What do I need to change up for tomorrow? And that might be the moment where I say, plug my phone in downstairs or, or get up earlier. So if I want to do something, post something on social media, I'm doing it before they're awake or whatever it might be like various strategies until we can kind of get into a groove and say, 
this is working. And if it isn't working, like I love on your TikTok article that you share um, that I will link, you just talked about that idea of like, whoa, TikTok did get out of hand. I'm so surprised it got out of hand. But then taking the steps to kind of pivot and say, all right, I don't have to live here. I don't have to live in this place. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit more about um, just this idea of targeted interruptions. Yeah, uh, this is really interesting and something that, again, our phones are so good at doing, <clears throat> not even necessarily just social media apps, but in general. Um, so again, on this podcast, they interviewed someone who studied people in their workplace. And what they noticed was that when people weren't being notified by their email, so they took their emails away from the workers for a week, um, when they weren't, was that, when that wasn't even on the table, the workers still self-interrupted themselves. So <clears throat> um, and they maybe opened a new tab randomly during their work, or they got up and walked got up and walk around randomly. So what was happening was that they were being um, sort of habituated to being interrupted and actually self-interrupting themselves. Um, So that sort of translates to the digital world in a couple of ways. Um, For me personally, I do that all the time. Like if I feel like I've been working for too long or maybe there's just something inside me I just like open a new tab and open Facebook because I feel like there's something inside me that's telling me to go scroll there, which is kind of freaky when you think about it. Um, but really what um, the apps are actively maybe doing to us through notifications or through um, what pops up on our feeds is just alerting us to the fact that we haven't been on their apps in a long time. And so they're saying, come back to me, give me your attention, give me that thing that I know will help make me money and make you really sad about your life. Um, so that's what they're doing is they're interrupting you at um, all hours of the day and targeting you by saying you haven't spent enough time on our apps. And so we're trying to reel you back in. Right. Well, I know that, like you said, um, we almost become trained or programmed to get these interruptions and their internal interruptions, even though nothing may be dinging at me, I can still feel this urge to like pull up my phone and check something. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's this almost like we need to deprogram that habitual response. Um, One thing that I have done is I, I turn off almost all notifications Um, If they're not things that are really crucial, Mm -hmm. um, I silence my phone a lot. And recently I actually moved every app that I found distracting off of my home screen, like my front page screen. Yeah. And so again, it doesn't mean my thumb cannot still find its way (laughs) over there. But I really wanted to pause and just say, you know, those things probably aren't going to be life-giving. And I appreciate that you use the example of what could I do instead, Um, right? Like I could, tonight I could go to bed and spend an hour scrolling social media or I could read a book. 
right? right. I could, um, you know, listen to a podcast, which again, is connected to my phone, but um, <laughs> there are, I could go for a walk. There's things that are actually going to bring me life because that is one of the things we'll notice about our phones is, um, and even television, I remember realizing, you know, before social media and smartphones were a thing that I could watch a little bit of television at night to kind of unwind. But once I got past a certain point, it was sucking the life out of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I didn't feel like I had the self-control to stop it. I just, um, kind of stayed there until sometimes I remember being like, I'm too tired to go to bed. Yeah. So I've, I've passed that that helpful unwinding point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what often happens to us because we go to social media because we kind of just want like, I'm tired, just want to veg out and unwind. But then we don't have that regulation in our brain to say, now it's time to stop and do something that's actually life-giving. And so I feel pretty passionate about this for myself, but for others around me. Because I think when we have rest time, we actually, or downtime, we use that time in ways that isn't life-giving. And then we we're confused as to why um, we end up feeling worse or depleted and so exhausted. And so um, that I love that you kind of share that idea of um, when I have a moment, what else could I do? Like Mm -hmm. pausing in that moment and saying, oh, I would rather go for a walk, read a book, look someone in the eye. Even today, I felt very overstimulated. Um, I just realized now that we're in week seven where I've been with my kids all the time. Very chatty and loud. Um, I made everybody have a quiet time, which we've never done um, in the history of our family. But I was like, every single person is in their own zone for an hour. And I went to my room and I put on these big headphones with nothing coming out of them just to kind of make it quieter. And I put this like eye mask over my face just to like calm all of the senses. Yeah. Because I was like, there's so much, we're getting so much input mm-hmm. all of the time that is really kind of sucking the life out of us. Yeah. Um, so it definitely is taking a toll on our attention spans. I think you've really expanded a lot of um, what we're experiencing. Is there anything else that you would share that you feel like, hey, this has been helpful or any other kind of tips or insights? Yeah, I think what you just said is actually great advice. um, And something that I found a lot of benefit from is um, once you've sort of felt the effects of how uh, your technology use is costing your life, um, I would say. Um, So maybe that's looking at your screen time and seeing a number that you think is too big. Part of it is saying like, oh, I think that's too big. Um, But I think it is valuable to go that extra step and say, how is that time actually making me feel? So um, I definitely used to scroll Instagram a lot. And I used to scroll Instagram and Facebook a lot in the morning also. Um, But I realized that um, not only was that too much time spent on that app, but more importantly, it was making me feel more judgy towards others, more like self-conscious because I'm looking at and comparing um, other people's photos to myself and my own life, um, judging what other people are posting, all that sort of stuff. So it wasn't necessarily just the time that was alarming to me, but it was that realization of what it was actually doing to me that made me want to change that habit. Hmm. So um, yeah, I think that 
just realizing what how it's making you feel personally and not necessarily just looking at the time is really important in making decisions on what to do instead. So I might be like, ooh, I would way rather like expand my mind, read Medium or read a book than scroll Instagram. Um, Maybe that's more life-giving to me because I'm like thinking about, excuse me, like what it is that that activity is doing to me and my brain. Yeah, Rebecca, I think that's so good. And I really appreciate, even as you were speaking, I had, you know, my own aha moment of... um, I have those little pockets that I've tried to use uh, social media in, but I do really think there's something to be said with, you know, how we start our day and how we carry on in our day. And so I think one of my challenges um, for everybody listening as we go into this week is um, taking a good hard look at what our numbers are, right? And if if they're gross, just acknowledging that and saying, that's okay, we can change things up. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And realizing this may not be where we want to spend so much of our life. And again, that is okay. How is this making you feel? That was such a great point. Um, I know for myself, yeah, that feeling of grossness and watching too much TV, I felt a little bit powerless to it in at the time. Um, and I think it's because it had become very habitual. So part of it is looking at our habits. And with habits, one of the things is that we often have triggers. So I know for myself, um, I don't tend to sit down and watch um, TV at night anymore, um, but I will be on social media. But <laughs> if I do, if I do watch TV, like if I sit down with my husband and watch a movie, it's a trigger for me to have snacks, right? Like it's one of those things where my brain is like, oh, if we do this, and of course we do this. And so trying to figure out almost backtracking like this. Um, if this is my habit, what is triggering that Mm. habit? And so we had our TV in the kitchen and the kids would go to bed years ago. And, um, so I would turn on the TV as I was cleaning or I just kind of like flopped down. That was kind of the, again, they were very much like this domino effect and our TV moved to the basement because, um, we were getting our house painted. It just never came back up. And so that was a great way to break that habit. And so, you know, if we want to be really ruthless about it, we can, we can change things. We can delete apps. We can, um, have a hard stop, like put an alarm on your phone that goes off at seven or eight o'clock that says, Hey, you're, you're off for the day or whatever it might be. I think it's good to be creative. So, my challenge for everybody is to find out your stats, um, think about what you want to be doing going forward, and then try some things out. Try some strategies. Tell somebody about your strategies because mm-hmm. if we are accountable um, to somebody else, we are more likely to kind of do those things. And again, it's um, it's just to kind of, I think, gain back a little bit of power over our phones, over our mental health, all of those things that like you shared about Rebecca, um, it can feed into those. um, I appreciate that you said comparison and feeling less than about ourselves, but often even judgment. I think that's a big thing that happens. I know for myself, um, I've had to unfollow people on social media because I end up being really critical and that's also damaging uh, to my soul. So, um, so much good stuff there. Um, Is there any one last thing you would share about social media? Are you uh, you pretty good? Um, I don't know. I think just that, yeah, like we're talking about knowledge is power in this circumstance. I don't think technology is bad. I work in technology, so there's some redeeming qualities to it. But I think 
um, as Christ followers, it is all about just like knowing and deciding. And I think that is all, all great and all like a part of our discipleship is knowing things and then deciding to change or just like walk more with Jesus than we were before. I love that. Um, I really appreciate how simple and yet profound a decision is. Mm-hmm. So just making a decision. And I think that's actually something um, I heard about um, somebody who wrote a, a book. I think it was Atomic Habits recently. And he just said, I want to be a person who is just a way to create a habit. So like, I want to be a person who exercises could be a way to say. And, and for me, actually, one of the things with technology is I said, I don't want to be a person who walks and looks at my phone. It was very simple, but I realized I was getting to this habit of I'm just running up the stairs. I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, it's like, why do I need to be looking at my phone during this moment? And so when I declared that, I said, I don't want to be a person who, and I had this, um, you know, stipulation again of walking with my phone. Then if I would do it, it was like, it popped back in my mind. Like, remember, you don't want to be a person who, it's like, okay. And so that was actually helpful again in, um, really deprogramming some of these mm-hmm. bad habits. I do agree with you. I think there's a lot of awesome things um, about technology. And many of us probably do have that love-hate relationship <laughs> with technology. Um, but learning how to use it well. When I do go on Instagram, I try and engage uh, with people. I think about it like a party. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be very weird if I went to a party and I just stood there at the side of the party and didn't talk to anybody. So um, as I engage with people, those are the moments where I say, oh, social media is awesome. I'm loving this. Mm-hmm. It's the wallflower staring, scrolling at people. That would be super weird. makes me feel awkward. <laughs> um, Rebecca, I've loved having you on here. And I know that um, you shared a lot of great information. And where could people find you if they wanted to find you on social media? Oh, boy. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I think I'm Hey Rebecca H on Twitter. Um, I actually like to retweet a lot of stuff about tech, but also things about funny things on Twitter. Um, also on Medium, uh, you can definitely follow me there at Hey Rebecca. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rebecca. I'm sure this episode has helped people move one step closer to thriving. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com. This has been an Extend Network production.